Good morning for those of you who uh, don't know who I am. My name is Pastor Sarah Carlin. I'm the Arts and Communications Pastor here at City Church. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't always, um, you see me do announcements sometimes, but otherwise usually I'm in the tech booth or running around making sure things happen. Part of what I do is keep track of the services and things like that. But I am privileged this morning to be able to stand here and help prepare us for Christmas. I'm gonna have some people who are gonna help me this morning. It's gonna be a little different. Instead of me talking all of the time, I have some people, uh, Jocelyn and Chris, who are gonna do some reading of scripture for you, and Brielle, who's going to come later and um, share as well. The other thing is you might have noticed you received communion when you came in this morning in communion cups and you're all going, it is not the first Sunday of the month. We know, but um, what I'm talking about this morning is really the reason that we have communion. So I think it's important to do that this morning and that'll make more sense a little later on. But also to let you know if you're online, you might want to get some communion elements together because toward... Almost the end of the service, we're going to have communion together. So, getting ready for Christmas. It's a busy season, isn't it? Everybody is running here and there. You've got the kids' Christmas programs. You've got to buy all the presents. You've got to get all the family to finally decide what are they doing, if it's like my family. What is happening, right? Um, You are running from this to this, and I... I don't know what it is about our culture, but we just like to turn something that's supposed to be a time to enjoy and have family and friends, and and we turn it into a a madhouse, a craziness, right? I mean, even around here, I mean, all of the things we're doing are great, great things. We had a gospel carols concert here last night that was phenomenal. We have had things, we had ALCS, one of ALCS's, Concerts last week, we have one this week. We've had things a week ago. We had the arts, Christmas. I mean, we're doing stuff all the time. Run, run, run. And um, if any of you who know me know, my life sort of is like that. I, I'm on the run. And I just really felt like the Lord was saying, and he confirmed it again this morning a couple of times to me in several ways. Let's just stop. Now, Pastor Tom has been talking about slowing down, right? Well, I got a clear message from the Lord saying, let's stop and think about Christmas. It is Advent, and that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about this morning. Advent is purposely the days leading up to Christmas Day to help us stop and reflect. It's built into the liturgical church calendar, even though that's not something we follow here, because it's supposed to be like, hey, let's slow down, people. And let's think about what's happening because Advent tells us to look at some things. And the first thing is, let's remember that Christ was born. That's a good thing to think about at the season. You see all those things flash up that say, Jesus is the reason for the season, let's ruin. And that is all true. But how much, too many times we say that and how much we actually do stop, actually think about what the Lord might be saying to us is a whole nother thing. Even if it's only this morning, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to stop and we're going to remember the first coming of Christ. But even more importantly this morning, 
we're gonna stop and remember the second coming of Christ. Because Advent is not only remembering that Christ was born and that he came to us as Emmanuel, God with us the first time, but that he is coming again. He is going to come again and be God with us in a totally different way, in a radical way that is the completion of everything. Jesus, God, the kingdom will come and all of creation will be redeemed. And we need to stop and think about that too because we're running around not thinking about the fact that we are in the midst of two comings. The first coming, the birth of Christ, and the second coming where Christ reigns and rules forever and brings his kingdom to come here on earth. And so this is typically traditionally called This phrase is used traditionally. We are in the midst of the already, but the not yet. He has already come. He is Jesus Emmanuel. He came to save. But we know that it's not yet done. It's not yet complete. That salvation, that redemption, when we accept Jesus, it is here, it is in us, it is complete. But the world has not completely turned to Christ yet. All of creation is groaning. And that redemption is coming, and that's the not yet. And we stand in tension in in our time between the already and the not yet. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about where we stand in that tension and what it is the Lord's asking us to do and what that might look like. This time of tension is hard. In fact, many times we look at the world around us and all the things going on, whether it be war or change in technology that could, could possibly alter how everything in the world happens, whether it's sickness, whether it's just people being unkind to one another. We live in a place of darkness, similar to what the Jews lived in before the Messiah came. And the prophets talked about that, right? They talked about this prediction of a Messiah and a king who's gonna come to the Jews. We actually have the benefit of that God with us now, but it still doesn't mean we don't know what darkness is and we don't know what despair is. But in Isaiah 9, we see that any time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. For in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light 
to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. These prophecies that we have just heard and the beginning of the book of John, which talks about Jesus being at the beginning of time and he was predicted to come and he did. These same prophecies, can you hear them? When you hear those words, can you think about that referring to the second coming of the Lord? I can because it says that there's people walking in darkness and they will find a light. It talks about the word coming and the word being made human and his home among us and that has already happened but it will happen again. And the last scripture that Chris read which was in Revelations, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. That is what we have to look forward to. That is the not yet that is coming. So just as the Jews waited and watched in darkness for the coming of a Messiah and what they thought that was gonna mean, we too wait and watch for the second coming of Christ. We stand in our place of tension and ask ourselves, what does God have for us in that place as we also watch and we also wait for the Lord's coming? The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridegrooms got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I do not know you. 
So you, too, must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of his return. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we as believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a forecast of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. These scriptures help us to understand what does it mean to watch and to wait for the coming of the king, for the second coming of Jesus. We see in the parable what it was like, in essence, for Jewish bridesmaids or virgins, as it says in some translations, to wait for the coming of a bridegroom, right? We get their culture and how they prepared themselves, and it is the same for us. We are those same bridesmaids waiting for our groom to come and invite us into the, the bridal banquet. We too watch and wait in that same manner. The thing about these bridesmaids that I find very interesting is that there were five who did one thing and there were five who did another. And Honestly, this parable has so many lessons in it, we could spend hours delving into it and what it has to say. But the thing I want to pull out from it this morning, because it is talking about us and the second coming of Christ, is that these brides, the five bridesmaids who ended up in the banquet actively watched and waited. They weren't passive. They actively watched and waited. And what does it mean to actively watch and wait? Well, I'm going to give you some things that I think are a part of that, but I'm going to um, also just talk about this whole idea of watching and waiting. In general, I don't think many of us are really into watching and waiting. I mean, specifically the waiting part. Um, sometimes the watching part. I mean, sometimes it's okay, right? We're going to sit down, watch, wait. Soon. But after a little bit of time, it's like, hmm. Do I get, you know, I think of like doctor's appointments, that's a watch and wait situation, right? Like there is nothing to do. This is why we pull our phones out every two minutes, right? We can't watch and wait. We just got to do something. We have to be busy, right? And God's like, Advent, let's watch and wait a little, okay? I was in um, TJ Maxx yesterday. You know how they have those like Lines that go like this through the whole queue thing, you know, and then there's numbers and you get a number called and you come. Well, <laughs> when I, I was walking around and picking up stuff and I get down there in this, this line, I'm not kidding. Like, here's all the counters where you register. It went like this, like this, and all the way into like where all the clothes were. And this is when you look at the item in your hand, right? And you're like... Is this worth this? <laughs> right? Like, 
do I love this person that much to buy this Christmas present for them right now? <laughs> you know, because I'm telling you, looking at that line, I was not sure. And um, so I was like, okay, I want to get this. I'm going to wait. And then also, the other thing I told myself is, what are you in a hurry for? You literally have, what your day is supposed to be is finishing errands. and do, You know, like you don't, you have nowhere to be in five minutes, so just get in the line and wait with everybody. And um, so I did that. You know how they have all those little, like, you can line it with things you can buy? I will admit I did buy something. I pulled something off of one of those shelves, but it, it was a stocking stuffer, so it was not for me. But I will say this. <laughs> um, those are just the most frustrating thing, because you're seeing it like inching along, and you're watching the lights light up with the numbers, and you're just like, please be done. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I had a mother and her child in this huge cart of toys, great, right, in front of me, and then behind me a couple with their arms full. And... <laughs> The whole time, I'm just like, oh, this is, you know, the, the little girl in the cart's getting a little like this. I'm done with this, right? Her mother <laughs> blessed me so much. She, like, started playing I Spy with her, which, believe me, was the most entertaining thing for me in the world because, you know, I could watch her, like, what she spied and what, you know, and I'm like, I'd look for it, you know, just because, what else am I going to do? I'm sitting there, right? And then, um, and I'm like, okay, you know, and then the couple behind me is, like, chatting away about Christmas and holidays and, you know, and then they're they see the things, like, little, they're a little baby booty things, and they're like, oh, look at that, remember when, uh, you know, I'm assuming they're talking about one of their own children was little, and, you know, and I was thinking, this, you know, oh my gosh, you know what, waiting and watching isn't so bad sometimes, <laughs> because I, I was getting blessed and filled with happiness as I waited and watched, and by the end, by the time we got to where they actually get called, you get called to a place, the little girl was singing, and it was so cute, and the couple behind us was laughing, and I'm thinking, this could have gone so wrong. I could have had a screaming child in front of me and people arguing behind me. But thank the Lord, these people like took advantage of their waiting and didn't make it into like something that we all saw often make it into, that this is the most annoying thing. And I, God just like literally struck me and went, yeah, how about you when you're watching and waiting? Are you playing I Spy and singing? <laughs> and I'm like, no, because <laughs> I don't. I, I get frustrated. I don't want to watch and wait anymore. So are we watching and waiting in that active way for the Lord's coming? Are we listening to the people around us? Are we seeing them? Are we actively being blessed by them and actively blessing them? Because I could have, I could have turned that experience or anybody else around me could have turned that experience into the most awful thing in the world. But we didn't. And the Lord's like, you have that. As you watch and you wait for me, what are you actively doing? Are you making it miserable? You can make yourself miserable. You can look at everything in the world and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe these politicians, or I can't believe these people over here, and I can't believe this, and just get me out of here, Lord. Please take me away, Lord. And he's like, you know, I put you here for a reason. And we talk a lot about getting out of here because heaven is our home, right? Being with Jesus is our home. But in the meantime, he's like, could you just watch and wait, be actively watch and wait because I put you here. I didn't put you here to get out. And I didn't put you here so that I could come and condemn everybody and you're right along with me. 
You know, I didn't, that's not why we're here. So God is with us in the watching and the waiting. And I love that scripture, Romans 8, to 27, because it's already saying, we're looking for something we don't have yet, but we're waiting patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us. That is God with us. That's God with me in the line. That's God with us in the waiting, right? The Holy Spirit helps us and it brings us into harmony with God's will. When we actively watch and wait, we become in harmony with his will. So actively watching and waiting includes these things. From the parable with the 10 virgins, the expectation and preparation. They were expectant, right? They're like, something's gonna happen. They were expectant and they were prepared. They actually spent some time getting some oil and trimming the wicks and then there were some people who did not do that and they were not prepared. And they weren't really expectant either. And the Lord wants us to be prepared and expectant when we are actively waiting and watching. And then Romans 8, patiently and confidently. Patiently is my problem. Patiently waiting is not, in, not a, something I'm good at. But he says patiently wait. And confidently. Do you know what that means? It means he, he's coming. There's no other option, it's just he is. It's not like he maybe will come someday. He will come, I don't know when it is, but he will come. Expectation, preparation, patience, and confidence. And with the help of God with us. Can you imagine having to wait and watch without the help of God with us? It would be impossible. And so Jesus' own words also tell us how to live in this time of watching and waiting, this tension. And it tells us, in addition to watching and waiting, what else should we be doing? Father, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. These scriptures are such a beautiful, just a portrayal of exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And it's not just to actively watch and wait, but it's to work. Jesus said in the first um, scripture that I read where he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane that he's sending us into the world just like he was sent into the world. And he's asking God to help us so that we can do what he did, that we can teach the truth that he was given to us. And then he tells his disciples, go make disciples. Tell the whole world about what's going on. And then as we move on into the letters of Paul, and he says, work enthusiastically for no matter what you do for the Lord, it's never useless. And as we become that new creation that Christ has made us, we have the task of reconciling people to him. For it was God in Christ reconciling to the world himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. In the midst of watching and waiting, we are supposed to work because God wants us to prepare this world for him to come. He wants us to bring about what what he intends to do for the world. Again, the key from that parable with the 10 virgins is they worked. They did something. They prepared. God has equipped us with the Holy Spirit so we can do that as well. And so we have been given a task to be ambassadors. That's our job, that's our job description. Position, title, ambassador. So what does that mean? What is an ambassador? And I like really have no, any connection with any ambassadors on any real level, right? All I know about ambassadors are all from like television shows and movies, which is never a good example of anything. But it's like, I don't know, they're like arguing with the other side to get policies done. I don't know, that's what happens. Okay, so, but when you really look into what exactly does an ambassador do? They represent, in a foreign land, the leader of their home country. And they not only represent that leader, but they represent the, like, the land, right? Who it, who it is, who they are. And so they are in this foreign country and they are going to like all the state balls and banquets and they're like, I represent this country, right? They're, they're out there. They're not just hanging out in their office, you know, they're out in these things saying, standing there saying, I'm standing in for the, the leader who can't be here right now. That's their job. They also make sure that whatever the leader is saying to the other people in the countries, that they're speaking their words. So the leader's like, hey, ambassador, go to this meeting with these other leaders and tell them what I have to say because I'm not there. So we are also, in that sense, ambassadors of speaking God's word and representing him in the world. The other cool thing ambassadors do and the embassy does is they take care of the people from the country while they're in the foreign country. So like in the United States, if say I'm in another country, like in Europe, if I'm there, the embassy is there for me. They're there for me to help me if I need something, 
to give me protection if protection is needed for some reason, if a war breaks out, you know, something like that. So that's also our job, is to be there for the other people from our country. The other Christians, right? The other believers of the Lord. We're there for them. We've got their backs. We're gonna take care of the widows and the orphans. We're gonna take care of the people who need us. But also, sometimes, embassies are places where people who don't want to be in their country anymore go to for asylum because they want to be a part of the other country. They want to be protected by the other country. And that happens because people, as ambassadors, we find people who need to be drawn in to the Lord. And we can bring them into the safety of a family, a church, a community that will take care of them and help leave them the th- leave the things of the past that are harming them and bring them into a new country, new residency and citizenship. So when you think about the fact that we're supposed to be ambassadors, it's a pretty big job. And it's a pretty, it's, that's work, right? There's a lot of things to do. But the Lord has given us help. And that's amazing. We're not on our own. I can't imagine being on my own to do those things. The Holy Spirit is here Jesus is God with us. A couple of years ago in a staff meeting, we were a prayer meeting we were having, the Lord gave me a vision about City Church being an embassy. At the time it was about, I was, saw this embassy being, it was wood framed, old, kind of old fashioned wooden stone. It was being torn down. It was like in rubble, you know. And the embassy was being, being rebuilt slowly with titanium you know, something strong that could never be destroyed. And the Lord told me, this is what I'm doing to City Church right now. And, ah, you know, and the people, and he didn't mean the building, he meant us, right? The people, we're the church. And he's like, I am tearing down the old, I'm tearing down the wood and the stone, and I'm rebuilding this church and the people in this church. And he's rebuilding us to be a strong embassy so we can do his work, so we can be those ambassadors because he's coming again. And this is not just a state visit where the leader comes and they have a big party and then they leave. Like, Jesus is coming and he's bringing the whole country with him. You know? He's bringing home with him to us. And this is something big to prepare for. This is not something we ignore. And so we need to be doing the work of the ambassador to this world around us who just needs to know that the king's coming to bring redemption. And one of the things that catches me in the scripture we read in Romans is it says he's given us the task of reconciling people to him. Because it was Jesus' task to reconcile the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Oh my goodness, I'm not good at that. If I'm reconciling the world to him, I can't count people's sins against them. I'm not good at that. I'm really good at counting people's sins against them. And so I have to say, Holy Spirit, (laughs) please help, because Jesus said he's reconciling the world to him and he's not counting their sins against them and my task is to reconcile the world. Thus, I cannot count sins against people. That's hard work. And I know I'm 
I, you know, that is the part of the job description I'm missing every time. I is like every time it's like, oh, yep, that person is this way or that group's that way and I'm just gonna get out of here. And God's like, no, you reconcile them to me because I'm coming to be their king. Not to condemn them, not to take you out of this world so they can just destroy it as they want. No, we are reconciling this place and I'm coming to this place. So our, our goal is not to hold sin against people. Our goal is not to get out of here. Our goal is not to leave them to their destructive selves. And not holding people's sins against them is all about love, patience, humility. It's not about telling people what's right and wrong. It's about how we live. We have to be ambassadors preparing Jesus' kingdom. So just as the Jews waited for a Messiah that they thought was gonna be a political king but radically changed everything, the same thing is happening. What are we doing as we work to prepare this world for something that's far beyond our imagination because I think sometimes like the Jews thought Jesus was gonna come and take down Rome and all these political leaders and rule on an earthly throne and he didn't do that. And sometimes I think we treat Jesus the same way. We're like, Jesus, you're going to come in and squash those people I don't agree with. You know, you're going to come in and give them what they needed because they've been this way and they haven't done this. Well, that's certainly counting their sins against them because he's not coming to do that. He's coming to reconcile and redeem just like he did before, but this time in a huge way where all the world will see it. God is renewing the earth all of time, all of creation, and all of us, so that his kingdom is ready for his coming. As we stand in the time of this tension between the already, the first coming, and the not yet of the second coming, this is what we need to be saying. Lord, we are waiting for you. We are watching for you. And we are working to prepare a place for your kingdom to come. We're going to be leading into our time of communion next, and I want to read this quote from theologian N.T. Wright and help us understand how all of this matters in regards to communion. Living between the resurrection of Jesus and the final coming together of all things in heaven and earth means celebrating God's healing of his world, not his abandoning of it, God's reclaiming of space as heaven and earth intersect once more. God's redeeming of time as years, weeks, and days speak the language of renewal. And God's redeeming of matter itself and the sacraments, which point in turn to the renewal of the lives that are washed in baptism and fed with the Eucharist. Living in this time means we are celebrating healing of the world, reclaiming, of heaven and earth, redeeming of time and the redeeming of matter itself through the sacraments. What are the sacraments? Well, for our church baptism and communion, part of how we work and wait and watch in this time is to celebrate his coming again through baptism by saying we have been saved and this is a public witness, but also through communion. As we take communion, he calls it the Eucharist, we are 
in remembrance of his first coming and his second coming. It's not just saying, Jesus, we remember that you came and you died for us. That is crucial, but it's, and we remember that you are coming again and you will not drink of the cup until you are with us again. So in this act of communion, we are drawing together the already and the not yet in this place of tension. He's given us communion in this place to come together as his ambassadors and say, okay, we might be in the darkness, we might be in tension, but we remember the already and we remember that the not yet is coming. So we're going to have communion this morning. And normally this would be when we have a nice song for you to reflect and sing and prepare your hearts, but we're gonna do something a little bit different this morning. My friend Brielle's gonna come. My team has created a reading called The Already But Not Yet, which hopefully summarizes much of what you heard now, and Brielle's going to dance to it. Because God wants us to stop and listen and wait, and I wanna encourage you as Brielle dances, as you hear these words spoken, stop, wait, watch, listen. Because God has work for you to do, and he's going to point something out to you. So reflect during this time, and then I'll come back, and we'll take communion all together. In the hush of Advent, we find ourselves suspended in the delicate tension between two comings. The first, a humble arrival in a manger, and the second, a triumphant return to redeem all creation. Emmanuel, God with us, birthed in the stillness of a Bethlehem night, echoes in our hearts as we navigate the sacred dance of watching, waiting, and working. As the world spins in the rhythm of seasons, we too orbit in the anticipation of Christ's return. This advent, we stand on the precipice of a narrative woven with the threads of redemption. In the whispers of the season, we celebrate the birth of the Savior, the dawn of hope for humanity. Yet woven into the melody of carols is the distant echo of a promise unfulfilled, a promise that Christ will come again to restore and redeem all things. We are not passive spectators in this divine drama. We are called to be active participants in the unfolding story of redemption. Our role is not to abandon this world, but to engage with it, to partner with God in the ongoing work of preparing the way for Christ to dwell among us once more. In the sacred waiting, let us not lose sight of our purpose. It's not an escape from reality that we seek, but a transformation of it. In this season of Advent tension, we find meaning in our watching, keeping vigil for the signs of God's presence in our waiting, patiently expecting the fulfillment of promises and in our working, laboring to cultivate a world that reflects the kingdom that is both here and yet to come. As we light the candles on the Advent wreath, let each flame be a reminder that we are bearers of the light, entrusted with the task of illuminating the path for the one who is coming. Let our actions be an anthem, a harmonious symphony that resonates with the melodies of heaven, echoing the truth that Emmanuel is not only a memory, but a promise 
fulfilled in every act of love, justice, and compassion, in the tension between the advents, may our lives be a proclamation, a declaration that we are a people who, with open hearts and willing hands, partner with God to prepare the world for Christ to come and dwell with us once again. This Advent, let us be both witnesses and co-creators of the divine narrative, embracing the paradox of living between the already and the not yet.